2: Hollywood Exiles, from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.
3: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
1: It's 8.30 on Monday, October 15th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi families are expressing frustration over the wait for financial assistance to assist their children with special needs. We'll find out why.
0: There's this backlog of 200-plus families. Many of them have been waiting three years. They've gone through multiple rounds of the lottery. And every time a new lottery is announced, they get their hopes up that their name might be drawn to receive a scholarship. And hundreds of kids are left waiting for the next lottery. Then, it doesn't have to be this way.
1: Then, after Everyday Tech, find out how Mississippi schools are stacking up according to annual accountability scores. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi families hoping to receive financial aid for their children's special needs education are concerned about being waitlisted. The Education Scholarship Accounts, or ESA program, provides vouchers to help with the cost of private school or other special services not provided in a student's public school. The scholarships are offered through the state Department of Education, based on an allocation from the Mississippi Legislature. Donna McCool of Flowood says her 11-year-old daughter Kensley, is dyslexic and has attention deficit disorder. She says she's applied for the Educational Scholarship Account program with without success and is on the waiting list. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier she's applied for a different type of scholarship
2: to curb private school costs. How much money is the dyslexia scholarship and how much is the education scholarship? The
3: dyslexia scholarship is about 4900 if I'm not mistaken. And, um, the ESA scholarship, it's like 6500
2: What have they told you? You said you've applied for it, but what did you find out, if anything?
3: The first year I applied for it, they sent me a letter and said that um, there was a lottery, draw- a drawing, and Kinsley wasn't chosen. And that there would be another one that upcoming um, fall. So then I got another letter that said, sorry, you know, she wasn't in that one. She's still on the wait list. Well, each year you have to reapply. So the next year, for this school year, I went ahead, had everything filled out, had it ready, stick in the mail, and I overnighted mine, where mine would land on their desk the first day that they could accept them. So um, I thought it was first come, first serve, but the way it reads, it's first come, first serve, after the first so many seats are filled. And since the legislature only allows so many seats and hasn't increased that since then, it's it's not really first come, first served. They do a lottery each year now. Well, I waited after the July 5th drawing, and I never got anything in the mail, so I called. And I said, I just want to verify, make sure I have the address correct and everything on file and see if my daughter might have happened to get the, in the lottery. And she checked my address. She said, your address is correct, and I'm sorry, ma'am. Kinsley wasn't drawn in there in the lottery. Well, then we waited, and so I called up there in August, and I was like, Hey, I'm just checking, making sure y'all got everything right on file. I said, because I didn't get anything in the mail. I gave her my address, and she wanted to know my name and my daughter's name. I told her. And um, she said, everything is right here. She said, but we never received your application for this year. And I said, you've got to be kidding. I said, y'all have already had two drawings, and you're telling me you didn't get her application? And she said, no, ma'am, the only one we have that shows anything is from the first year. She said, I'm sorry, but we don't have it on file. So how They're many really times have so you hard.
2: applied?
3: Um, I've applied twice. And they, only, they said they only got my application the first time. But that's wrong.
2: So at this point, how are you feeling about this?
3: Very frustrated because the special education department is the one that oversees the ESAs or the applications. They have let me down tremendously, and I know my application was there, and they have me hanging in limbo because I still don't know what to do about it.
1: ESA applicant parent Donna McCool. Grant Cowan is president of education advocacy organization Empower Mississippi. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the legislature began the program saying it would increase funding annually, but that hasn't happened.
0: In 2015, the Mississippi legislature created a special needs Education Scholarship Count Program, that's ESA, in an effort to give parents a scholarship so they could opt out of public school, enroll their child in a private school if they felt like that would be a better setting. Unfortunately, that program was supposed to grow every year by 500 students, and because of the legislature's inaction, that hasn't happened. They created the program with approximately 500 initial scholarships, and it was supposed to grow every year, but they haven't increased the funding for the program. And so the initial students have scholarships, but the program has not grown. So today there are over 200 families on a waiting list who have been promised a scholarship, but there's not funding available.
2: How long have these families been waiting, do you know?
0: Well, it varies, but some families have been waiting three years since the program started. So it's a program that at least the first 50% of the applicants were supposed to be first come, first serve. After that, all the students who apply, their names go in a pot, and they have a lottery a couple of times a year where they draw names to see who gets those scholarships. The The goal for that was that it would be fair and equitable to everybody, Unfortunately, there's just been too many or too unfortunately, there have been too few new scholarships created, so there's this backlog of 200-plus families. Many of them have been waiting three years. They've gone through multiple rounds of the lottery, and every time a new lottery is announced, they get their hopes up that their name might be drawn to receive a scholarship. And then the lottery comes and goes, and hundreds of kids are left waiting for the next lottery. It doesn't have to be this way. The legislature could act, could expand to allow more students to participate, and uh, it would serve the students that are on the waiting list.
2: One issue, as you know, the state has had is funding public education. So if they're not fully funding education, is it uh, reasonable to expect that they can fund this program and upgrade it annually?
0: Well, the way this program was originally designed, it was designed so that it didn't require new money, um, that it would take existing monies and use those funds better.
2: Have you talked to legislators about this?
0: We have talked to members of the legislature about this, but we feel like the best advocate for this program is the parents on the waiting list. So that's where our goal as an advocacy organization is to help connect those families to their legislators so that legislators hear from the people that could benefit. And legislators know the urgency to get this done. So we have done that, and we know many of these parents on the waiting list have reached out to the members of the legislature in the last couple of months to express the urgency to get this done, and they've heard from these families firsthand.
1: Empower Mississippi President Grant Cowan. Nathan Oakley is chief academic officer at the State Department of Education. He tells our Desiree Frazier the number of students they're able to fund is not the same year to year.
4: So that number is determined based on the allocation uh, each year. Uh, for instance, uh, for this current year, 18-19, we have awarded 428 vouchers, uh, and that number has been over the last several years, been in the neighborhood of 400 students each year that were awarded a voucher.
2: Now, the first year, was that 2016?
4: So, the 2015 16 school year was the first year that we awarded vouchers. So, there were 394 awarded in that first year. And uh, during that first year, the number served was actually significantly less than that. Each year, uh, we see a number of vouchers that go unused from time to time by families. And so um, if, if we verify that those are not going to be used and there's not been any action taken on those, uh, there's a process by which those vouchers go back into the, the lottery to be re I believe the appropriation each year has only been three million. And so uh, with the small set aside for um, administrative cost, um, project management with the department, I don't believe that would be enough to fund a full 500.
2: Our apportion. Of those distributed based on first come, first serve, and then the lottery is instituted for the remainder?
4: I believe the way that the law is written, um, if 50 percent of the annual enrollment limit is reached, there's a lottery waiting list. Uh, if the annual enrollment is actually under that 50 percent of the limit, there is a, um, a notice that goes out to those that are, that are on that first come uh, list, uh, if you will. We have held a lottery, I know, over the last uh, last two years. I do not have the context for the first couple of years. I um, wasn't working with this project at that point in time.
2: We're told by Empower Mississippi, which is concerned that uh, there are 200 or more people on the waiting list, but there aren't enough vouchers for them to receive an account.
4: There is a waiting list. For the ESAs, the demand is exceeding supply based on the appropriation we have.
2: And, and can you confirm if it is around 200 or more?
4: The lotteries are uh, are open events. Uh, they're they're not uh, they're not held um, in in privacy. We will frequently have external folks uh, come sit and observe the drawing of random numbers through a through a computer program uh, that match up to individual numbers that have been assigned to the waiting list. Uh, and in July uh, during We did have somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 uh, applicants that were in that lottery.
2: If you have people already getting vouchers and then you have a waiting list with 200 people on it, say, what's the chance of those 200 getting a voucher if your capacity is already met?
4: That likelihood depends on the number of vouchers that are available. Uh, In late August, I believe we awarded uh, in the neighborhood of uh, 45 or 50 vouchers. Uh, for uh, individuals. And so depending on how many vouchers are available and depending on how many are on the waiting list, that would determine the likelihood of of receiving an award.
2: So right now, as it stands, um, MDE can only fund according to the amount of money available, and there isn't enough money to keep up with the demand.
4: We are funding based on what has been uh, appropriated to the department and available for the project.
2: And so it's been level funded over the years.
4: Uh, the available funding for the project has been uh, steady since it started. The number of people that can be served each year vary a little bit based on the calculation for the ESA amount. For instance, if the if the amount is $6600 student then I cannot serve as many students as when the amount was only $6,400 per student.
2: So what would you say to the families that are on the wait list who are frustrated and feel like they're never going to get their child the ESA that they need in order to uh, help pay for the services?
4: Uh, I would encourage them to uh, to continue to do all they can to support the children uh, in the education setting uh, where they are, whether that's in a public school setting or a private school or homeschool setting. Uh, parent involvement is critically important to a child's success, and so we certainly want to see them remain involved and engaged, and we appreciate the interest you have got in the program, and uh, we'll continue to uh, make uh, ESAs available as funding allows.
1: MDE CAO Nathan Oakley with MPB's Desiree Fraser. To see our team's updates throughout the day, follow MPB News on Twitter. Coming up, find out how Mississippi schools are stacking up according to annual accountability scores. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
2: This is Everyday
1: Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Woods Couture, and today we're discussing Internet Monitoring and Safety. So, what are some things to consider when using the internet or your mobile device?
5: Well, Michelle, one thing I think people really need to think about when they're talking about safety and the internet is where are you connecting from? Because if you're connecting from in your home or in, in a private in, environment like that, your, your safety considerations may be different. But if you're in a coffee shop, a local restaurant, there's no telling who else could actually be sharing those connections with you. So when we're talking about being safe from that aspect, you really kind of need to be aware of your surroundings. Now, if you're also in a work environment, you really need to pay attention as well to what are your employer's expectations when you're using that Internet connection. So are they looking for certain things? Are there communications that you're making that are actually prohibited. Maybe you're making a statement about something that happened at work, and it's really a little bit more private. Maybe it's a personnel-related thing. You can't be putting that all out there. So you really need to be mindful of your audience and be mindful of your location. And another thing that we really need to look at when we're doing this is we got to think about what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you just trying to put a joke out? Are you just trying to talk about what your day's been like Or are you trying to attack someone? Are you really angry? That can really make things take a dangerous turn really fast. And we've seen that so many times. People who have that tendency of speaking before they think you know we we see that in so many aspects we see that in in public figures we see that in our neighbors we see that even possibly in our kids friends that sometimes that reflection was not a reflection of who they were but it was a reflection of a moment in time and we really need to watch out for that
2: And, Wilt, since you mentioned being responsible on the Internet, Safer Internet Day was actually created to help
5: teach the younger generation how to be responsible when using their mobile devices. Well, we really do, because unlike maybe when you and I were growing on up, a lot of the dangers we were exposed to were right there in our neighborhood. And you had you had neighbors looking out and you had people that you went to church with down the street that were able to look out for you. And, you know, if you did something really crazy, by the time you got home that night, your mama knew But nowadays, with a digitally connected world, you're not just connected to the folks that are in your neighborhood. You're connected to folks down the street, across town, in the next city, state, or even country or continent away. So so the dangers have unfolded exponentially. And here's the other thing. A lot of our younger generation today has grown up knowing nothing but this technology, whereas you still have parents and grandparents who this is fairly new to some of them and so what you have is a digital disconnect really and that is is that these kids and younger adults are using tools that those who supervise or those who are guardians of, parents of, they have no idea what's really going on. So there's there's really a, a disconnect in language there. So it's encumbered upon us as the adults, as the, you know, like when it comes to my kids, it's my responsibility to take on a little bit, learn that some and have those conversations with my children so that they understand that the decisions you make today can impact you for the rest of your life. So, Michelle, Safer Internet Day really gives us an opportunity to put a little bit of focus on this technological tool that has come into all of our lives. We're all so connected with the Internet, with websites, with apps, with social media, with texting, and with all these other new, exciting, and instant ways for us to communicate We need to do those things safely. We need to do those things responsibly because that has really become a challenge sometimes when you get people behind a keyboard that all of a sudden don't necessarily feel responsible for their actions. So again, we need to focus back and think about where are you connecting from? What are you trying to do? And what image of yourself are you putting out there? And make sure that it's an accurate reflection of who you are and also of who you want to be.
1: We will talk more about Internet monitoring and safety on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Education policy experts say new school scores in Mississippi show the gap widening between high-performing and low-performing schools in the state. The State Board of Education last week voted to accept annual accountability scores for most school districts. Angela Bass is Deputy Director for Policy with advocacy organization Mississippi First. She tells us the high points of the overall results.
6: The biggest high points are that we've had um, 29 school districts that have increased their letter grades from the previous year, and we have had more school districts earning the letter grade A, which is exciting. And then overall, when you just think generally about student performance in Mississippi, they're showing statistically significant gains in both ELA and math.
1: On the flip side, what are the low
6: points? So the low points are that is that we have more schools who have earned the letter grade F. And so we're having, I guess, schools moving from the middle into those two ends of the spectrum.
1: But why is that? Have the standards changed? Can it be blamed on one particular thing, why schools would drop to an F?
6: We have raised the standards of what students should know in Mississippi. So in, I believe it was 2014, 2015, we switched to the more rigorous Mississippi College and Career Readiness Standards, and it's it's been an adjustment from just our work with school districts and listening to folks in the community. We know that folks who sort of transition to the standards earlier are experiencing more success with them and and then those who transition later are still sort of struggling to implement them correctly and get everything into place
1: the department of education held back the grades they wanted to look at them and and assess them and they made changes or didn't accept the grades for several school districts. Can you tell us which ones and why that was the case?
6: They held back the letter grades from school districts who haven't been getting letter grades in the past. So we're talking about schools like the Mississippi School for the Deaf, Mississippi School for the Blind, and then there's also two schools who were school districts of innovation. so the Corinth School District and the Pascagoula School District they applied for a special waiver because they were high performing school districts to be able to do some innovation in their school districts. So I know in the Corinth School District, they use the Cambridge Curriculum, which is internationally recognized. But because they were doing this innovation in the past, the Department of Education um, has not assigned a letter grade to them, and this year they did. Were the state's charter schools graded? They were. One of the charter schools, Reimagine Prep, went from a D to a C this year. Um, And then we've seen that um, the other uh, charter school that opened in the same year as Reimagine Prep, which is Midtown Public Charter School, they were rated F this year. Um, and then there was one school that opened a year after the first two charter schools, and they were rated a D. And so we've seen that for one charter school, they've they've been able to increase their grades year after year.
1: The one that scored an F, were they graded before? Did their grade drop or was it an F last year?
6: Yep. it's maintained. this the same grade.
1: Are these charter schools all in Jackson?
6: Yes the ones who receive grades. There are two charter schools that just opened this year and we don't have any data for those um, and they're elementary schools but the the three that are all in Jackson the three middle schools that are in Jackson all received a grade this year. Any final thoughts about the grades? We support high quality charter schools at Mississippi First. Um, And we also understand that charter schools are given flexibility, but also they are supposed to be held accountable.
1: But who are they accountable to?
6: They're accountable to the families that they serve. And so with that, charter schools are on a a five-year renewal cycle. Um, And so in our state law, according to the performance framework, um, charter schools who are rated F in the final year of their charter contract, then they're not eligible for renewal.
1: Are they accountable to the Charter School Authorizer Board?
6: So the Authorizer Board has the authority to open schools and also close schools. And so they will be looking at their performance over the five-year period to determine if they can stay open or not.
1: Angela Bass is the Deputy Director of Policy for Mississippi First. Angela, thank you very much. Thank you. The accountability scores are available on the State Department of Education's website at mdek12.org. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
4: Hi, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson, inviting you to join us right here on MPB for Friday night. Under the Lights, we'll get you all the scores and keep you up to date on
5: all the players at 10 p.m. every Friday night this fall. Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Friday Night